Welcome back to the Idiom Podcast. My name is Connor O'Brien. If you're new here, this is a show where we interview artists, producers, and industry experts, really anyone who we feel can help you grow as a producer. As always, this episode is brought to you by EdiumProd.com, an online resource dedicated to teaching electronic producers the tools and tactics needed to make better music. If you want to level up your production skills, whether it's learning the basics, writing better music, improving your mixes, or developing a more creative mindset, we've got you covered. Now, in this episode, I have a chat with Please and Thank You. Please and Thank You is a DJ and producer known for his pop-influenced hit dance records. Getting his start with viral remixes, he's now hit number one on the US iTunes electronic charts three separate times, and he's also been remixed by industry heavyweights including Morgan Page, Rusko, Kazette, Yami2, and more. Now in this episode, we start off with Please and Thank You's background, discussing his evolution from DJing into production. We discuss why he avoided DJing shows until he had his own original music, and what his growth strategy was like early on in the project. He also talks about why he dropped out of film school after one semester, as well as his main takeaways from attending the Icon Collective Music School in LA. On the production side, we spend a while discussing how Please and Thank You found his unique signature style. We talk about how he blew up off of a track that was just a throwaway track he threw up on SoundCloud and how we dealt with the expectations that came with that track's success. We also talk about his approach for finding unique and interesting samples, getting more creative with your layering, and his approach to adding organic textures into his music. Later on in the episode, Please and Thank You discusses how he's been using the pandemic to reset and focus on his personal health, which is a real invaluable lesson during this turbulent time. He also offers his advice for artists who want to write more vocal-driven music but struggle to find quality and original vocals. Now you should all go check out Please and Thank You's most recent EP called The Very Special EP that it dropped in April. Just to give you a taste of it, I'll play you the lead single off of it, a track called Very Special featuring the island pop king Sean Kingston. It's a really great track. Definitely go stream it if you're feeling it. With that, let's wrap things up and get to the interview. Here's the EDM podcast with Please and Thank You. Welcome back to the EDM podcast today. I'm joined by Tommy, who releases under the name Please and Thank You. Tom, how are you doing today? Good. How are you? Not too bad. So to start, I'd like to learn a bit more about your background with music. You can go back as far as you'd like, but I'd like to learn what got you into music and more specifically music production. I actually grew up at a young age taking piano lessons. I actually started playing piano at about the age of six, and that took me all the way into high school. I was classically trained. Funny enough, I actually started performing live with the piano in nursing homes, playing recitals and and yeah, in nursing homes for the elderly. So in high school is really when I started getting more and more into electronic music. At the time, I was also incredibly passionate about filmmaking. I was kind of eager to combine the interests of electronic music and filmmaking. So I picked up a camera and started working at local venues, photographing and filming electronic acts that would come through on tour, even sneaking into these venues sometimes to shoot the acts and just be a part of the scene and be present. That's, I guess, the general gist of it. So when you were filming and shooting photographs at these venues, were you like just there to be there because you wanted to be a part of the scene? Was like the music making a a part of what you were doing so far and you were like trying to network kind of talk on that 
No, there was no music making at the time. There was no electronic music making at all on my end. It was really just to be there and be a part of the scene. And really, I thought I was going to pursue filmmaking and photography. And I thought that was the route I was going to take in my life, to be honest. It was kind of this new, exciting scene at the time. And this was back in 2013, 2014. And I just wanted to be there. So at what point did that switch kind of flip for you to say, hey, maybe I could be making music that these artists are performing to? There was really no, I guess, exact moment. There was no aha moment. But I started realizing that I had this background in playing an instrument and and I grew up with all this knowledge. Like I said, I was classically trained and it really just came to the point of like, if they're doing it, why can't I? And I actually started DJing first. I downloaded virtual DJ. So that was my first, I think that's how, that's how most people maybe started with, with DJing. Yeah. So I downloaded virtual DJ um, in high school just to make mixes for like my friends and to listen to myself because that you could record in virtual DJ, you could record mixes. So I, I downloaded that. It got to the point where I, I started taking it more seriously and I actually wanted to, to be a DJ and the, the production thing came in because in order to be a DJ, you need to produce and you need to have your own music. So I first started as a DJ and then kind of segued into music production. So were you at that point DJing under the Please and Thank You brand name yet? I never started playing shows early on. So there was no DJing in a live setting. A lot of acts are, are really eager to get on the road and you want to tour and you want to play shows and you you know you want to be a part of it. But for me, I kind of realized that you need to have music out and in order to grow, it should be done properly. I kind of didn't want to get trapped into into a local scene. That was like the the big thing I, I saw just from being a part of the scene as a, as a filmmaker and photographer. I saw so many of the local artists just get stuck at the same place and just be labeled a local DJ and you're and you're stuck because you keep playing the same venue over and over. You keep being the support act for someone else. I never wanted that for myself, so I kind of purposely wouldn't play shows or wouldn't you know, DJ in a live setting, I I just wanted to practice and practice and, and get good enough and also just start learning to produce music and never be labeled as a local South Florida DJ. I wanted to be something bigger. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people, I definitely made that mistake when I was in college, kind of trying to get in from the DJ front where they like see those opening acts at their favorite venues. And they think that like, if they want to be playing at those venues, the best way would be to go in DJing, but thinking long-term you want to be able to leapfrog them with production. In general, most local DJs either don't produce a lot or maybe have a little bit of a you know production catalog, but not to the point that the artists do that are that they're opening up for. Yeah, that's absolutely right. A lot of local DJs, they're not savvy producers, they're just DJs. And I saw that and I knew that in order to become something greater than that, you need to produce and you need to learn how to produce. You can be an amazing DJ, but Really what people are coming to your shows for is the music that you create. So at this point, did you have anyone that you could talk to from a production standpoint? Like you were coming to these conclusions kind of pretty early being like, okay, I don't want to go through the DJ route. I want to go through the production route. Did you have anybody else around you that was trying to pursue a career? There was no one. Yeah, not a single person around me was into making music 
not even a single person was into electronic music. I was actually made fun of a lot in high school for going to electronic events. It's so funny how times change and the same people that used to make fun of me for going in high school are the ones that go now. Everyone was into hip hop. So yeah, I was kind of the lone wolf. But have you had any people like now with the success that you've had that kind of ghosted you back then being like, yo, like, can I get you know, a ticket? I've heard of so many stories like uh, Lucas. I know I had a couple funny stories like that where like people from high school that kind of ghosted. I'm like, yo, can I get like VIP guest list to go to your shows? And he was like, ah, psych. There's definitely been people that have come out of the woodworks that I haven't heard from in years, even yeah. from middle school asking for passes to so-and-so festival that almost motivates me in a sense it's like okay now you're actually paying attention to what i'm doing whereas before you were the one making fun of me (laughs) and no you can absolutely not have a pass to this festival (laughs) i mean that's the greatest thing ever cool so you decided that you wanted to get into production so that you could play at these venues what were those kind of next steps for you to start to get better in the daw chronologically Throughout high school, I really picked up DJing, went into college, actually for filmmaking. I went to Emerson in Boston, which is a big film school, for one semester. And really being there for one semester, yeah. I just didn't want to do it anymore. I didn't want to do filmmaking. I didn't want to do photography. I just had so much fun DJing. I just knew that's what I wanted to do. And I just had this gut feeling that being at Emerson for filmmaking and photography just wasn't for me. So I left and moved in with my parents and then moved to Los Angeles and went to Icon Collective. Before going to the school, there was also just a plethora of resources online like YouTube videos, et cetera, et cetera. And that's kind of where things kicked off for me was was no formal training, just having the background in piano and already knowing how to make chords and make melodies. And it was really the sound design that that's where the learning curve came for me. So I've talked about Icon a few times on this show before, but what were some of the biggest lessons that you feel like you took away from being able to go there, whether it was in the classroom or outside? Biggest learning lessons for me at Icon came down to the concept of flow. Being in a creative state of flow is so important. Yeah. Also, I was really intrigued by the music business curriculum that they have there. The networking at Icon was another thing I was looking for because growing up, like I said, I had no friends or there was nobody that was interested in electronic music surrounding me or in the area I grew up. Going to a school and just being in a building with however many other kids that were all passionate about the same thing was just eye-opening. And that was such a valuable tool for me just to be around other people that were excited about it. All right. So kind of moving things forward a little bit, a big breaking point for you was your track Run Wild, which is about one to two years ago. It's got a bunch of streams on Spotify, YouTube, all the like. So kind of talk about where that idea initially came from. actually put up on my SoundCloud two years ago just as a free download and the track really just organically exploded. It's kind of funny because it was actually a throwaway song at first. I thought that my productions would lend towards Outlaws, which was the single that came out right before Run Wild, which features vocalist Bobby Saint. And I thought that that would kind of be 
the style of production that I would follow, which was yeah. more pop oriented or kind of this crossover blend of, of pop and future bass. So Run Wild is actually just a throwaway project initially. And now today it's my number one streamed original track. I'll speak a bit about the process of the track as well. The song actually started by happen chance, just totally randomly when I was on YouTube one day. The song sample is Fartina's Cappy, which is an old Finnish folk song. I was actually just on YouTube playing Finnish music, looking for something unique to sample. And YouTube's Up Next feature actually, you know, led me to this track. And the sample doesn't happen in the first couple seconds of the song. So, you know, it probably played for a good minute. Yeah. And then I just heard this three-second sample that, that ultimately the song was built around. And it was sort of like this epiphany. That was it. That's the one. You know, eventually downloaded the acapella for the track which in and of itself was a feat to even find, you know, this 20-year-old records acapella. I ultimately had to come into contact with Bartina, the group, to clear the sample and do everything properly again, which was a feat to kind of bring this legacy folk Finnish artist out of, out of hiding or, you know, they haven't put out music in 10 years yeah. and having to get in touch with them was super tough and super challenging. Is the manager who managed them 10 years ago, still their manager, things like that. It's like, is this email still valid? Social media hasn't been active in 20 years. It's impossible. Ton of challenges, ton of speed bumps along the way. And ultimately the record became Run Wild. So you kind of talked about how you were just throwing that record out there because it didn't really seem like the style that you wanted to go forward with, which is kind of more of like a pop friendly style. So when that track was really successful, how did you kind of deal with steering your direction from there. After I saw that, like just the explosion online, I kind of realized that I wanted to make this a part of something bigger and free download on SoundCloud just wasn't doing the, the song justice. I thought we need to make this available on iTunes and Spotify and everywhere else and capitalize on the success of this record and, and not shoot myself in the foot here. So I created actually another record, Feeling Forever, which I like to think of as the sequel to Run Wild. Just because the elements of the song are pretty similar and it's kind of worldly feeling yeah. music. And just to speak a bit about Feeling Forever, there's a sample in Feeling Forever that is an iPhone recording of a sitar from one of my friend's travels in India. So he actually recorded a street performer in India while he was traveling there uh, just on his iPhone and he sent me the recording <laughs> and that became Feeling Forever. That's crazy. Insane. So I like to think I wrote Feeling Forever as the sequel to Run Wild, and they're both this worldly-influenced music. So we packaged the two together and ultimately re-released Run Wild with Feeling Forever as a two-song EP. That's one of my favorite projects to date. So kind of moving forward to your most recent release at this point, you just put out what I believe is your debut EP in Very Special back in April. Talk about that, especially because I feel like that lends more towards that kind of pop vocal-friendly style that you were talking about earlier. With the very special EP, it was kind of a different process than this worldly styled music. And I wanted to return to my roots a bit and return to almost how I got my start in music production with remixing these old hip hop and old R&B songs. 
The very special EP features Sean Kingston, Alex Iono, Wi-Fi's Funeral, Cayenne, and Tima D. We really just went back to my roots and went back to this pop future bass hybrid. And I'm really proud of, of the records that, that we created. So kind of sliding things over into a production standpoint, I want to talk about what your general writing process looks like in general, other than your uh, like run wild and feeling forever. Everything has got a very forward vocal. So I'm curious, are you generally starting with vocals? Are you getting vocals sent to you? What does that process look like? When the Please and Thank You project first started, I began remixing many classic R&B and hip hop tunes. And with the remixes, I developed this workflow of producing entirely original instrumentation around the acapellas. Later, these original releases would follow suit in the same manner. The vocals would become this critical element in my songs and lead the way in my workflow. I'll have vocals or I'll even have a vocal from someone else. So it might start as a remix and I'll create entirely new instrumentation as if I was remixing a song just with the vocal and no other element. And, And then just pull the vocal off, I should say, and have this clean instrumental that you now have that you can shop around to to different vocalists or send around as, as a beat. Yeah. Any tracks that you've released that have kind of come out like that? Because I feel like a lot of artists actually have that happen where like a remix doesn't get signed. They turn that into original and it ends up being like one of their most successful tracks. Literally, my most successful track, Good Vibes, actually started as a remix. <laughs> I won't say the artist, but they actually passed. I was sent the vocal for the original song and completed this remix and sent it back and they they actually passed on it. So what I did was just strip the vocal from the song and it later became good vibes with new recut vocals featuring Cosmos and Creature. And like I said, it's one of my most successful songs to date. So kind of continuing on with production, would you say that there's any tools or plugins that are pretty important to your workflow right now? Just some rapid fire of plugins that I use. LFO tool, guitar rig, AOM stereo imager D, AOM's invisible limiter, SBL vitalizer, Waves, SSL channel, RC20. Plugins, you know, although they're made for certain things, you should often experiment and, and put the plugins on on things that you might they might not be meant for. Yeah, so that's that's often what I find myself doing is just using plugins in a, in a way where they're literally not meant to be used. So I put guitar rig on synthesizers. I put guitar rig on you know on leads. Um, yeah, you know synth leads. I use just effects from Guitar Rig sometimes. So I'll, I'll use like the phaser. Um, yeah, so I mean, it's really just about experimenting and, and, you know, trying things that are unconventional. And I think that's how you push sounds forward. And that's how you can, you know, even push dance music as a whole forward is doing things that are totally unconventional. So at least for me, I always find that every like three to six months, I've got a couple of things that I'm really leaning on from a production standpoint, whether it's like a certain technique or recording or a new synth that I just got. So I'm curious, when you were working on your previous EP, was there anything that you were trying to infuse into your music with that, that might've been a bit of a like new step or progression for you? The new step for me with the very special EP was a lot of live instrumentation as well as recorded organic sounds. There's a lot of guitar featured on the EP. There's a lot of piano. There's a lot of organic nature recordings, even just done on my iPhone. For example, I Miss You features a recording of the ocean here in my hometown in Palm Beach. Really infusing live elements and almost these elements of realism into yeah. production and software that is now just so crystal clean and so digitalized 
really makes a huge difference in your sound and can almost set you apart in, in that way. Yeah, there's a quote from um, an artist, Hyperbits, where he talks about how one of the biggest struggles that he has as a producer is to add movement to a mix. And there's no better way to add that movement than to introduce some organic real record instruments. Like, yeah, you can automate for days, but it's so much easier just to be able to like pick up a guitar, play something in, and already it's not going to be on the grid because you're a human, naturally imperfect when it comes to performance. Absolutely. And that's so key in the very special EP is, is if you actually listen, yeah, none of it was on the grid. None of it was syncopated perfectly. And, and it's almost like you want those imperfections in the recordings to create the sound and just give it a bit of life. Totally. One more question that I want to ask is what your approach is for layering. I feel like you've got kind of different styles that you're working with within electronic music, but across the board, I feel like you do a really great job with layering. So what advice would you give to somebody that really struggles to, you know, layer different sounds to build out a full and cohesive mix? A tip I always give to to younger producers is to just pick the, the right sounds. And uh, so so I take that approach in, in layering is really it's not about how many sounds you have. It's about having the right sounds and having each sound do the job that they need to do. And, yeah. and, and that's it. It's the same thing with processing. You know, so many samples now are just so over-processed and, you know, you don't need to do much more to them once you put them in your DAW. So, yeah, I mean, that's the approach I take with layering is, is just having, you know, a few key sounds and having each sound do the job that they need to do and, you know, work perfectly in harmony with, with the others. Yeah. So kind of sliding things away from production, it's been interesting to hear the way that different artists are dealing with what the quarantine has been for them in terms of music, in terms of life. So I'm kind of curious, what have you been doing just with the different circumstances that everybody's under? I uh, would imagine that you're not playing as many shows, which you normally do. So kind of talk about what you've been doing in this time with that. I've been passing the time at home with my family. I've really taken the pandemic as an opportunity to reset. Traveling and performing acquaints just such a fast-paced lifestyle that this break with the postponements and cancellations has allowed almost this newfound introspection and rejuvenation. Yeah. Um, so I've been taking the opportunity to practice a lot of self-care and just been working on my mental and physical health. I've been lifting weights. I've been you know, eating healthier, learning to cook, not eating as much fast food like I do when I'm on the road touring. Just spending time with with my dog, my loved ones, my family. Uh, it's all just been like a refreshing getaway at the moment. Yeah. So we've got a lot of newer producers listening to this podcast. What advice would you give to somebody that's just starting out to give them the best chance of success moving forward with music? The most important piece of advice that I can give involves believing in yourself. Believe in yourself. Find what makes you unique and never stray away from that. There's only one of yeah. you in existence, and you literally have the power of harnessing that exclusivity of you, of being you, into realizing whatever dreams you have, you know, not even in music. So yeah, it's, it's really just about believing in yourself and harnessing that power into realizing whatever you want. Cool. So to wrap things up, what's going to be coming up for you in the next few months? Obviously, touring is a bit of a question mark, but anything else that you can think of that you've got going on moving forward? Yeah, so I've got a lot of new music I've been working on, you know, a lot of time on my hands. So, um, you know, been been in the home studio here trying trying to make new things and uh, just explore new ideas. And like you said, 
there's a lot of postponements and cancellations, but I hope to be back on the road as soon as I can. And I hope to see you guys out there and play for you again. And um, I hope you get to get to check out some of this new music and, and listen to the very special EP as well. Awesome. Sweet. Well, with that, we'll wrap things up for this episode. You can find Please and Thank You's music, including the very special EP in the description of this podcast. So go give that a look as this episode is just about over. Tom, it's been great chatting with you. Appreciate you being on the show. Thank you so much. Oh,